Welcome to the Three Strands Podcast. In our new series, Don't Worry, Be Happy, we will explore all of the things that happy people have in common, because everybody wants to be happy. We are going to jump into an entire new series this morning called Don't Worry, Be Happy. And in this series, we're going to look at what it takes to make us happy, because happiness is something that we all understand But none of us has quite mastered, have we? I mean, we say things like, I'm just not happy, or I'm not happy anymore, or I just want to be happy. And then when we get older, we drop the 25 cent words, and we start picking up $50 words, and we say things like, I'm just not fulfilled anymore, or I need to find meaning and satisfaction. But the truth is, we're just chasing happiness and never finding it. We, we find something that we think makes us happy, and then the next day, that feeling has wore off. So why is it? Why is it that it's so difficult to maintain happiness? I mean, we go on vacation for a week, and we're happy. And we get back home, and guess what? We're just not happy anymore. Well, happiness is an emotion, And the problem with emotions is that they continually change based on a lot of different factors. And so, as a result, some of us are like a roller coaster when it comes to being happy. So during this series, we're going to look at what God has to say about this topic. Okay? It's kind of where we're going. So, let's just start by asking this question. What is it that makes you and I happy? What is it? What is it that makes us happy? Some of you may be thinking, I mean, why are we even talking about this, right? I mean, come on. I came to church thinking we were going to talk about like wrath and hellfire and condemnation. I mean, that's the stuff that makes me happy, right? Just kidding. But the reason we're spending four weeks on this is because the truth is we don't really know. We don't really know what makes us happy. I mean, if we did know, we would have succeeded at it a long time ago, and we would have stopped searching for it, right? But we don't really know. And some of you may be thinking, listen, how could you even know? How could you even know what makes me happy? I mean, you don't even know me all that well. Well, here's what I know about all of us. Everybody in the room, I know this. I know that you and I are bombarded with thousands of images every day telling us, how to be happy, aren't we? From billboards to banners to TV commercials to ads on our phones telling us that our lives are miserable unless we have a certain product. And what's crazy about it is that we fall for this stuff all the time, right? I mean, anybody ever bought a car that you thought would make you happy and now you're already looking for another one? Yeah, ever bought a camper thinking that would bring you happiness and now it's just parked out back somewhere, never ever being used? Some people buy a boat thinking that will bring happiness, but it's just become too much work. You bought a pool maybe thinking that would bring happiness, but nobody ever swims in it and now you're the only one cleaning it and it's becoming a chore. Some of you thought that uh, that treadmill, right? That treadmill would do the trick. That's going to make me happy. But it just makes you absolutely miserable looking at it all the time, right? Walking past it, hanging clothes on it because you refuse to get on it. That's the reason. 
All of us have fallen prey to advertisements where we go out, we get something, thinking that it's going to make us happy, and then we get it, and guess what? It just doesn't, does it? It just wears off. It's just temporary. I mean, that feeling fades so fast, doesn't it? That newness wears off so quickly. So what is it? What is it that gives us lasting, true happiness? Well, here's the deal. And uh, I was telling somebody earlier, um, Dave and I, when we sit down and, and plan these sermon series out for the year, we don't really talk to each other besides we give the title of the series, the title of the sermon, the scripture we're going to be teaching. Okay, that's the main thing. And then we give a brief, just a brief description, a paragraph about what it's about. And that's it. So we don't really know what each other's going to say. This main point today, he brought out during week one of his money series. It's pretty cool how that happens. But here's the deal. Here's what I want to hammer home. And he brought this up. Happiness is more about who than what. Happiness is more about a who than a what. It's more about people than things. Now, we know this, don't we? I mean, we learned this at an early age. You're, you're a kid and you want to go outside and play. Well, what are you going to play? Well, it doesn't really matter as long as your friends are outside, right? I mean, if they're allowed out, it doesn't matter what we play. The same thing happens when we enrolled in elementary school. We don't really care who our teacher's going to be, but we want to know what? Who's going to be in our class, right? We want to know who's with us, not what we're going to be doing. And the same thing happens as you get older in middle school, right? Uh, Maddox just wanted to know, am I on the gold team or the maroon team? Because Brady's on the gold team and I want to be on his. He didn't care who his teachers were going to be. He just wanted to be with his friends. Same thing in high school because we all know that it's the who that matters, not the what. Here's something else I know about everybody in the room. If happiness were about a what... We'd have bought that a long time ago, and we'd just be happy forever, right? But the problem is, when we think it's about the what, it, it turns into what else, and then what next? It's, it's caffeine happiness. It only lasts for just a little while. Now, just in case you're sitting there and you don't believe me, uh, I've got a few examples I want to share with you, okay? Uh, you people my age will, will get these. You younger kids probably won't know what these are, but that's okay. The, the first one is the Cabbage Patch doll. Do you remember that? Oh, gosh, right? Do any of you ladies remember wanting one of these so bad as a young girl? Raise your hand if you had a Cabbage Patch doll. There we go. Yeah. Dave, did you raise your Dave's raising his hand. You had Otis Lawson, didn't you? Oh, my. That's embarrassing. Okay. So the girls and Dave had Cabbage Patch dolls, but... You had to have it, right? You had to have it for your birthday or for that Christmas gift. And your parents went out and they paid way more money than it was worth. And they risked their life fighting the crowds on Black Friday because it made you so happy. But where is it at now? I can tell you this, it's not bringing you happiness anymore. Okay? I would, I would think not anyway. I mean, I can't see any of you ladies going into a job interview with, with Otis Lawson or Delinda Lorinda, whatever her name was, tucked underneath your arm going to interview for a, a job as an adult, right? No way. Because you've forgotten about it. You've lost it. 
It broke. His arm fell off. Whatever. It doesn't bring you happiness anymore. Now, for some of you, this right here may have brought you happiness. Check out that puppy. You remember that? How many of you had the Walkman? Oh, I did too. That sucker was awesome. This cumbersome thing right here, kids, was incredible. You could actually take your music with you. Okay? Couldn't do that before this device here. You could take this cumbersome thing, put it on your side, and go for a walk and play your, listen, your tapes. Okay? Tapes, kids. All right? Uh, with this Walkman, you could clip it right by your side. It was wonderful. It was a game changer. For, for you kids, Paige, tapes are like music, okay? Gotcha, okay. Yeah, but none of us are still holding on to this. We don't still carry around the Walkman, right? I don't see these anymore because we've moved on, and we have iPhones now, which are way better. But anyway, speaking of phones, remember this treasure right here? <laughs> How many of you had a Nokia? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, this sucker right here was incredible. It was off the chart back then, all right? Now, I thought I was so high-tech back then. I really did. No joke. I kept this thing for years until one day I took it to our local AT&T store. I know you don't believe me. We used to have one of those here. Okay? It was an AT&T and a Taco Bell. Remember that? Right across from Kroger. Okay? I promise it was there. And I took it in there, and the, the workers circled around it like an ancient artifact. Okay? I kept it that long. It was so bad, they called everybody else like, Hey, Bob, come over here. Check this out. This is a Model NT. I haven't seen one of these in years. And I'm sitting there with my head down, you know, because I just had a question about getting a new phone. But uh, they thought that thing was awesome. I did too, but we don't carry those around anymore, right? Because now we have iPhone 7s and 8s and XSs and, and whatever. And it's always the greatest thing in the world until the new one comes out, right? Heather uh, made me get my first iPhone. It was a 5. When I got lost several years ago in, in Louisville, okay, and I had my Atlas out, okay, it was covering the whole windshield. Cars were honking behind me. You know, I didn't know which way to turn, so I was trying to figure it out real quick. And she was like, that's it. We're done. Stopping at Somerset on the way back, getting you an iPhone. I was like, I don't need an iPhone. I got this Rand McNally Atlas that doubles as a sun visor when I park. I just put the thing over the whole windshield. It's wonderful. It's trusted, you know. So uh, anyway, we do what, you know, most married couples do. We compromise. So we compromised, and uh, I got an iPhone. That's how, that, that's how that works. And marriage, guys, when you get married, that's how it works. Remember that, okay? But here's the reality. The reality is this. If an aging whatever deflates our happiness, okay, if, if that's what happens, it's not that we were really happy anyways, Right? We just bought into the advertisement because happiness is more about a who than a what. You ever spent time with people or seen people living in poverty in third world countries? I saw another report just this past week saying that McCurry County is the poorest county, not only in the state, but in the entire nation. Did you read that last week? But even so... Living here, okay? Uh, we still, when we're not at home, we miss our pillow. We miss our house. And we miss our bed, okay? But listen, people living in third world countries, they don't even own a pillow or a house or a bed. And guess what? They're happy. They're happy. Smiling, singing, dancing, 
And we think, why are they so happy? They have nothing. Did you know that the highest suicide rates are among the wealthy? And the lowest suicide rates are among the poor? Happiness is not about a thing. It's about a who. Happiness also has a relationship aspect to it. You know, if you're a parent, um, you know that you're never happier than your unhappiest child, right? I mean, same thing is true in marriage. Husbands, you'll never be more happy than your wife's happiness level. If you love your wife and your kids, it's hard to get happier than they are. It's the relational dynamic to happiness. And I know it's strange, but it's true. And those of you who are married going, he's right, it's true. Those of you who have kids going, he's right, it's true, right? And one more thing. And Dave brought this out during uh, that first week of the Making It Rain Change series too. At the end of our lives, at the end of our lives, if we have the opportunity, not all of us will, but if we have the opportunity to reflect back The regrets that you and I have, listen, won't have anything to do with our possessions or lack of. Any regrets that you and I have will all be relational. We'll always regret not spending more time with someone or that we didn't do our part in restoring a relationship. It will have nothing, absolutely nothing to do with our stuff. At the end of our lives, we'll want to have our relationships right. Because it's always about people, not stuff. I mean, nobody on their deathbed says, okay, guys, just just wheel my big screen TV in here. Let me have one more look at it before I go. Never, right? They they don't say, "Let let me look out the window at my car and just stare at it before I drift off. No, they don't say, bring bring my golf clubs in here. Let me let me hold my nine iron before I go. Never. They don't say goodbye to their stuff. Nobody does that because happiness is about relationships. So what makes you happy? Some of you sitting there would say nothing. Nothing. To which I would say to you, you are exactly right. No thing, no thing makes us happy. Happiness is not about a what, but a who. However, there, there is a what that happy people seem to have. If you know happy people, now listen, I'm not talking about sappy people who are paid to act happy because they work in guest services or something like that, but people who are really, truly, genuinely happy. They all have this one quality. So, for, so you think about who that person is in your life. Somebody you know, man, he is really happy. She's truly happy. Think about that person for a second. Guarantee it. They all have this one thing in common. You know what it is? It's they all have peace. They all have peace. That they have got this inner peace, and whatever's going on around them doesn't seem to bother them all that much. They're still good. You know, they still have peace even in the middle of the storms of life. You know, it reminds me of when Jesus was asleep in the boat. And this big storm came, and the disciples began flipping out, thinking they were going to die. Remember that story? And they cried out. They said, Lord, save us. And where was Jesus? I mean, he was in the boat, but what was he doing? He was asleep, peacefully sleeping. No worries, even 
though the storm was fierce. Well, happy people have three specific areas that they have peace in. Okay, I want to share those with you real quick. But happy people, first of all, are at peace with themselves. They're at peace with themselves. It doesn't matter if they're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if they're single or married, college degree or not, have kids or don't have kids, extroverted or introverted. It doesn't matter because they're comfortable with who they are. And you and I may look at their situation and we may think there's no way. There is no way that I would be happy if I were them. Just no way. But they're just comfortable in their own skin and they're at peace with themselves. They know who they are, that they're a beloved child of God and that's enough for them. That's enough. So not only are they at peace with themselves, but happy people are also at peace with others. With other people. These people aren't constantly mean and angry and frustrated and bitter. Uh, They're not the ones on Facebook telling everybody how wrong they are and what idiots they are. You know, It, it doesn't mean that others don't hurt them. It doesn't mean that other people don't break their hearts just like everybody else. But they somehow, they learn to just let it go and move on. They don't hold grudges. Happy people are good with others. They, they can be who they are. I mean, no judgment here. You're not like me, and that's okay. Happy people also are at peace with God. They're at peace with God. I mean, they believe there's more to this life than just living and dying. They believe that it's more than just trying to get through another day. That there's more to this life than their eyes alone can see. They're at peace with their maker, knowing that he loves them and that they love him. And their security is sealed. These people have discovered that there is a God who is sovereign and that they're not him. And you know what? They're okay with that. They don't have to try to play God. They're okay with him being God. That's his role. They just let God be God to do his job and they do theirs. And the Bible says they have a peace that surpasses all understanding. So what does all this mean? I mean, where are we going with all this? Well, listen, anything that undermines our peace ultimately undermines our happiness. Please hear me. Anything that undermines our peace ultimately undermines our happiness. Think about it. If happy people are at peace, then anything that undermines our peace eventually robs our happiness, right? I mean, we all recognize this because there are things in our lives, whether it was a situation, a relationship, a season in our lives where we made a decision that undermined our relationship with God or ourselves or or somebody else. And what happened? It robbed us of our peace, right? Is there any area of your life, can I ask you, where you would just like to have a do-over? I think the truth is we all do, right? I think everybody in the room could raise their hand. We all have an area of our life where we'd like to have a do-over. We all have them, whether it was in college or dating relationship or that first marriage or whatever decision it was, it stole, and our enemy Satan loves to steal things, by the way, but it stole our peace. 
which kept us up at night, remember? Which ruined a relationship with someone, remember? Which made us think that we didn't have a connection with God. Did you feel it? And therefore, we weren't happy, were we? We weren't happy. And this is why the older we get, the more hesitant we are in making decisions. We've seen and we've had to live through some of the consequences of our choices. Because a single decision can rob us of our peace, can it? And therefore, it steals our happiness. Now, here's where many people think that God can't help them. Because they tend to think that God gets in the way of their happiness. And you may be sitting here this morning, I don't know. You may be sitting here because somebody guilted you into coming. Or maybe they promised you something. Maybe they promised to take you out to lunch afterwards, I don't know. Maybe they promised to sit through the budget meeting with you afterward. I don't know what they promised, but I don't know what your motives are for being here. But listen, whatever it is, we don't believe you're here by accident. We don't. We believe it is a divine appointment that you're here this morning. But you think that this whole Jesus thing would only get in the way and cause you more problems in your pursuit of happiness. But would you look at what Jesus says? Because it's actually just the opposite. The passage that we're going to take a quick look at was written by a guy who spent three years with Jesus. And he was far from God at one point in his life, but he ended up becoming one of Jesus' closest followers. It changed his life so much that he wrote it all down. And it was recorded and passed down through centuries, and now it's part of our Bible. But this guy's name was Matthew, and he writes a biography about Jesus, and in it he records a conversation between Jesus and an attorney back then. So what happens is this lawyer comes up to Jesus and he asks a question that many people wanted to know back then. It's in Matthew 22, starting in verse 36. He said, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And so right off the bat, he wants to know the steps. He wants to know the do's and the don'ts. When we think about happiness, we don't think about commandments and laws, do we? Right? I mean, we think they'll be in the way of our happiness. But listen, this is what's so deep about all this. Because what Jesus says here, listen, it changed everything in the way that you and I find happiness. Because we might think that Jesus would respond to that question by answering, well, don't ever do this and you'd better do that. Right? But that's not what happens. Because happiness is found in a who, not a what. Look at verse 37. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And the lawyer, he must have been thinking Tina Turner right here, right? Those lyrics, since she wasn't even born yet, you know. He was probably thinking, what's love got to do with it, right? I mean, what's love but a secondhand emotion, Jesus, right? Stop it with the Hallmark cards already. I need to know the laws. That's what I want to know. Tina Turner was a singer back in the 80s. Okay, that's good. And Jesus is like this. Jesus responds, listen, I hear you. I hear you, but I want you to love. I want you to love God. In other words, he's saying, listen, God is a who. Who wants to have a relationship with you. So love him back. God loves you. 
So love him back. You want to know what's most important, young man? He's saying, love God. You should make peace with God. And some of you may be sitting here this morning and you feel it deep inside your soul. There's tension between you and God. I want to encourage you this morning. Make peace with God. Make peace with God. But Jesus doesn't stop there. In verse 38, he says this. He says, this is the first and greatest commandment. That's important. He says, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now listen, these are not commandments one and commandment two. Okay, this is commandment 1A and 1B. They're equal. Make peace with others and yourself. Happiness is more of a who than a what. Now, if you're sitting here this morning and you don't follow Jesus, yet I cannot stress enough the importance of these words from him. Because listen, he is saying these are the most important things that I'm going to say. And Jesus said a lot of important things, but he wants you to make peace with God. He wants you to make peace with other people, and he wants you to make peace with yourself. Guys, you want to be happy? You need to be at peace with God if you're going to be happy. You need to be at peace with other people if you're going to be happy, and you've got to be at peace with yourself if you want to be happy. You know, so many people have avoided God thinking that he was in the way of their happiness rather than realizing that he's the means to their happiness. He's the way to their happiness. You know, ultimately, you and I will never stay in a situation where we're unhappy very long, will we? I mean, think about the last time that you joined the gym. Usually happens in January, right after the year, you know, New Year's resolution, right? Uh, you began going, but then you stopped. Why? Because you weren't happy there, right? It's too crowded. It's too early. It's too hard. But the truth is, you stopped going because you just didn't want to go work out. That's the truth, right? Same for me, okay? That was it. Think about your last diet. I'm not happy with it anymore. That's why I quit. Why not? Because I can't eat pizza. That's why. At least you're honest, okay? But my point is, we don't stay in things that we're not happy in. We just don't. The main thing that I hear in almost every divorce situation is this. You've heard it too. I'm just not what? Happy anymore. So you didn't stay in that job. You didn't reconcile that relationship. You didn't mend that marriage because you weren't happy in it. Jesus wants us to be at peace in those situations. And it will lead to happiness. Please hear me if you don't hear anything else this morning. He is not in the way. He is the way. He's the way to happiness. He's not in your way. I want you to think about your greatest relational regret. Think about it. It had everything to do with you breaking this peace with God, this peace with others, or this peace with yourself, didn't it? And it made you unhappy. And Jesus invites us back into peace, back into happiness in those situations, because at the end of the day, it's more about a who than a what. And so as we continue in this series over the next three weeks, 
there is just this one huge overarching issue that we've got to deal with or else it will ruin all of our attempts at peace and happiness if we don't deal with it. You just can't get around it. It's this one word that you and I don't like to talk about very much. Sin. We don't like to talk about it. What is sin? Yes, it is rebellion against God, but let's define it another way this morning. Let's define it like this. Sin is anything that you don't want done to you. Is that simple enough? Anything that you don't want done to you. Is lying a sin? You know, you tell a little white lie occasionally. There's no such thing, by the way, okay? Little white lie still a lie, right? And besides, you don't want anybody lying to you, right? You don't want anybody telling a little white lie to you. So sin ruins our relationship with God. It ruins our relationships with others and it ruins our relationship with ourselves because sin, listen, in its very nature, what does it do? It disconnects. That's what sin does. Sin disconnects, okay? Sin, first of all, disconnects us from other people. Think about your last relational conflict, whether it was years ago or whether it was in the car on the way here this morning. There's this tension, and the reason we have conflicts in our relationships with one another is because of sin, right? Because one of us did or said something that we shouldn't have done. Or we didn't do or say something that we should have said or done. It's sin. Somebody sinned against you or you sinned against them. And we try to make relationships work out. And so, but we bring sin into them, right? And it steals our peace that we had with each other, and it makes us unhappy. So not only does sin disconnect us from other people, it also disconnects us from God. It does. This is one of the most misunderstood things in the entire New Testament. When we sin against another person, we sin against someone that God created, someone that God loves, and someone who Jesus died for. Think about that. We can't have it going on, listen, you can't have it going on vertically with God and not horizontally with other people. It doesn't work that way. When you and I hurt someone else, listen, we hurt one of God's kids. You ever thought about that? I mean, if you and I had a good relationship, but I said something rude to one of your kids, would you and I be good anymore? No way. No way, right? So when we look down on other people, or we don't give a rip about others, we're hurting God's kids. And Jesus says that when we do that, we have mistreated our Heavenly Father in the process, creating this disconnect between us. And because of that sin, it ruins our chance at having peace with God, and therefore our chance of happiness. So sin disconnects us from other people, it disconnects us from God, and you know the third one, right? It disconnects us from ourselves. You know, the more that we hurt others with our words or our actions or our lack of compassion, we begin to tear apart who we were created to be. Have you ever thought to yourself, if I ever did that, whatever that is, but if I ever did that, I just couldn't live with myself. You ever thought that? Watch the news and you think, oh gosh, if I ever did that, I just, I, I couldn't live with myself. If I ever did that, I would just, I'd no longer be who I am. That's sin. 
That's what it does to us. It, it makes us go, that's not me. That's not who I want to be. That's not the kind of person that I was created to be. And as a result, no matter what we drive, no matter what we wear, or all of the stuff that we have can never make up for that ache in our soul that things just aren't right. That's the disconnect that sin brings. But listen, here's the good news that we're going to keep coming back to during this series. Jesus' purpose was to bring us to peace with God, to peace with other people, and to peace with ourselves. In fact, he said it this way in John 10, 10. He said, the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and destroy. But you want to know what God's purpose is? He said, my purpose is to give them a rich and listen, satisfying life. Does God really want me to be happy, not just holy, as I've heard my whole life? Of course. Of course God wants us to be happy. But the only way that you and I will ever get there is to make peace with God, to make peace with others, and to make peace with ourselves. And listen, the only way we'll do that is through Jesus. He is the way. And so if you're here this morning and you don't have a real relationship with him, you don't consider yourself to be a wholehearted follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you that today is the day of your salvation. You know, um, in our Father's house, there is a place for us if you'll become a child of God. We're about to sing that together. You make that decision right here and now as we stand and sing this last song together and then go tell somebody about it. Don't keep it a secret, okay? Happiness is more about a who than a what. Jesus doesn't stand in the way of your happiness. He is the way to your happiness. Let's stand and sing this last song together. Thanks for listening to the Three Strands Podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit us at threestrands.church.